Before we light the first Advent candle, we want to read to you from the scriptures. From Isaiah 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call his name Emmanuel. And from Luke 1, 26 through 35. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. We'll now light the first Advent candle. Leave it here. Pastor asked that I share a few minutes about the promise of the coming Messiah. Over 350 prophecies of the Old Testament are promises that a Messiah would come. In Genesis 3.15, the Messiah would defeat Satan. In Genesis 12, 17, uh, 12, 17, 28, and 49, he would descend from Abraham, and then Isaac, from Jacob, and Judah. Isaiah 7, 14 says he would be born of a virgin. Micah 5, 2 says that he would be born in Bethlehem. Zechariah 9, 9 says he would triumphantly enter Jerusalem on a donkey. Zechariah 11.12 says he would be sold or betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And Zechariah 13.7 says that he would be smitten and his followers would all desert him. Psalm 16.10 suggests that he would not stay dead but would rise again. And Psalm 22 speaks of his crucifixion. 
many have believed that Jesus was and is the promised Messiah. Among them, Joseph and Mary, the shepherds, the Magi, even King Herod, who determined to kill him, Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, and two older people, Simeon and Anna, in the temple, all believed that indeed Jesus was and is the Messiah. How about you? Thank you, Ralph and Martha, so much for speaking about promise. Okay, at this time, children are dismissed to Children's Church, ages four through fifth grade. You are dismissed at this time. All right. Advent. We are, we're living in between two Advents here. Christ has come, his first Advent. Christ will come again. His second advent, he is still coming, and we're now caught in the tension, in the middle. Do you feel it? Do you feel the tension? We, we live in a world that is longing for hope. That hope has always only been found in Christ, and it only will be found in Christ. And if, if we ever sense the tension of where we live in the here and now, it's a reminder that only Jesus brings hope. He is our hope. Advent. He has come, and he will come again. Well, this morning, we're going to look at um, a plan from the beginning. Our time is a little bit shorter, but that's okay. And um, we're going to, we'll look at this together, but I want to just ask that you would join me in prayer before we go to the Word. Father, I thank you so much for the privilege that we have to gather together. I thank you for the beauty of Christmas, for what it symbolizes, represents. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for his coming. Thank you that God is with us. You are with us. Thank you for that. Father, I pray that you would guide my words. I pray that what I speak would only be in agreement with what you have revealed through your word and given by your Spirit's power. It is in the name of Jesus that we pray this. Amen. Christmas. I love Christmas. Are you like me and you love Christmas as well? And I I understand and say in that that some people really don't care for Christmas a whole lot. You know, the holidays can be a little bit difficult. They really can. Thanksgiving, Christmas, sometimes for some people, it's really difficult. But I know there's a lot of people who really do have an appreciation for Christmas. And I would say that I happen to be one of those people. I have good memories as a kid of, of just anticipating Christmas coming. And I, I, remember, I remember being underneath the tree... And just kind of me and my brother 
I've got two brothers, but one of them, we would just lay on the floor by the Christmas tree. And in my household growing up, we always kind of put the presents out and, and they would accumulate as Christmas, as the season went on. So it wasn't just like, okay, on Christmas Eve, let's sneak those presents down there underneath the tree. We didn't do that. It was, we, we always knew the truth. Now, I have nothing against Santa Claus. All right, nothing against Santa Claus. I have personally played Santa Claus three times. Okay, so I have nothing against Santa Claus. That's what, I don't look like a Santa Claus, do I? But that's what happens when my wife volunteers me and says, oh, my husband will do that. <laughs> that's what I get, okay? So, but um, it, it was always kind of watching and, and growing in excitement as we were near Christmas time. And it was, I just remember laying on the floor with my brother. And there was one particular year where we were looking at the presents underneath the tree. And we just said to each other, Justin, like Christmas is never going to come. And it really seriously felt like an eternity away. Like this, this will never come because as a kid, it just feels like it's never going to come. And, and we would just lay there and we would look at those presents and we would, we had the rule, no shaking. You cannot shake the gifts. And, and so it was just trying to guess which one, that's mine right there. And then my parents got smart and they were like, we're not putting the names on them because they know which ones go to which. But then also what happens, you know, is that a couple weeks go by and then uh, which one was it for Nathan and which gifts were for Justin and which ones were for Brandon? And you open up some, stop, that's the wrong one. That goes over here to this one, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Christmas, I love Christmas and I believe that part of the reason why Christmas is enjoyable is because there is so much anticipation. Because there is so much that builds and in our American culture, we really do a good job at building it, don't we? The Christmas decorations are available, and the Christmas candy is available in September and October. We're like, come on, this is way too early. But um, there is this excitement because there is anticipation. The Bible is about Jesus. It's about Emmanuel, God with us. And when we look at the Old Testament, we realize that they are awaiting a Messiah. We realize that there, is, there are prophetic words given to the coming Savior. He will come. Take your Bible. And um, I have three passages listed in, in your bulletin this morning. I don't know if I'm going to get to all three. We will see. If not, then I will cover what I do not, do not cover today. I will cover them next week. But I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 8 through 15. If you do not have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the pew rack in front of you. And it's found on page 2. <laughs> this is all the way to the beginning. All the way to the beginning. Genesis chapter 3, let's look at verse 8. And the man and his wife, this is Adam and Eve, first man, first woman. 
Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Adam, where are you? Where are you? Now, God is not asking Adam, where are you at? Because he doesn't know. He, he knows. He knows full where God is at. He's, God is, he is omniscient. He knows all. He can see all. So it's not, Adam, I'm really kind of looking for you. I'm curious where you're at. No, he knew exactly where he was at. He's asking this, Adam, where are you? I want you to give response to where you are at. I want this to sink in. This is where you're at. He's hiding. I think it's if you've worked with children or if you have kids of your own, you understand this. What did you just say? No, I heard you really well. I heard you. I want you to repeat it again so that you can hear what you just said. I want you to hear what just came out of your mouth. I want you to understand this. And that's kind of what's going on here. Adam, where are you? Not because I don't know. I want you to come to grips to recognize where are you? This is where you're at. Verse 10. He answered. This is Adam's response. I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. I hid. I was ashamed. I knew something was wrong before things were not like this. I know something's wrong and so I hide. I want to hide. I don't like this. And so I'm in hiding. I'm trying to be deceptive. And so I hide. Fortunately, Adam recognizes this. He understands this. He understands that he's in hiding. Verse 11. And he said, this is God speaking to Adam. Adam, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Verse 12. The man said, the woman you put here with me. She gave me some fruit from the tree, and I ate it. The blame game begins. And it's been going on ever since the beginning of time. The blame game begins. Adam is, is not taking any kind of responsibility for himself. His response is this. It is either God, it is that woman that you gave me. It's Eve. It's her fault. It's Eve's fault. It's not my fault. It's Eve's. It, it's her fault. It's blaming his wife. Or if you think about it, there is a sense of blaming God. God, the woman that you gave me, the one that you put here, you made me go into a sleep. You made me wake up. This is, she did it, you, but it's your fault. Whatever it is, Adam is completely not owning any kind of responsibility here. 
He's not willing to say, yes, I did this. Yes, I took of the fruit. Yes, I should have known better. Yes, you told me not to do this. Yes, I was right there with my wife when she was tempted. Yes, I was typical male and said nothing. I did nothing. But he doesn't own up. He doesn't own up. Interestingly enough, we move on. Verse 13. The Lord God said to the woman, What is it that you have done? And the woman said, This is Eve's words, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The blame game continues. It continues. Okay, well, who do I blame? Well, it's the snake. The snake deceived me. And because the snake deceived me, I I ate. Verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and And her offspring. He will crush your head. And you will strike his hill. Interesting words here. Interesting words. This is is the very first prophecy we have about the coming Messiah. I'll be really honest. It's very vague, isn't it? It's very vague. But there is some stuff here that we see. We see that there will be a perpetual struggle between the satanic forces and mankind. It will continue. There will always be a satanic struggle of the mind. And this continues on a day. Don't we see this in culture? Don't we see this even outside of culture? Don't I see this in my own life? I do. Eve's offspring, it was Cain. And then it was humanity at large. And then at the right time, after generations had passed, God sent forth his son, born of a woman. Galatians 4, verse 4. Jesus, the Messiah, And although this promise is somewhat vague, it does tell us some important details concerning the coming Messiah. Satan will cripple mankind. Yes, he will cripple mankind. Do you recognize it? Do you see it? Our culture has been crippled by sin. Sin has impacted every one of us. It has. But here is the truth. Christ will deliver the final fatal blow, period. Yes, Satan has. He has, in in the words of Genesis here, 
from Moses. In these words here, he will strike his heel. He will cripple mankind. And we see the impact of that. But don't worry, it's not over. There's more. Why? Because the Messiah will crush his head. Jesus will deliver the final fatal blow. Jesus will deliver. He will bring deliverance. We do have time. Take your Bibles. Turn to Isaiah chapter 9. 9 verses 6 and 7. It's on page 489 if you're following in the Pew Bible. Ralph mentioned some of these verses here. Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called... Now listen to these titles, because these titles describe his character. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God... Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of His, the Messiah, of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. These are words at Christmas time that we often hear, aren't they? You can find them on Christmas mugs. You can find them on plaques that you can use to decorate your house. They're good words, but they do describe the coming Messiah. They describe Jesus. And we are told a few things here. One, we're told that he'll be a child. There'll be a child who will come. He'll be born to us, to Jewish people. Now, I'm not a Jew, but you know what? Part of the promise from of old is that through Abraham, all of the nations would be blessed. Everyone. God's plan is for Jew and Gentile. It's for every nation, no matter who people are. His heart is for people. That's his heart. We are told. Look at the names. We are, we are told the names, the titles given to Jesus the Messiah. Wonderful Counselor. Do you need a Wonderful Counselor? We do. We do. We need a Wonderful Counselor. That's Jesus. He is described as being Mighty God. What words to describe Jesus being described as mighty God. How about this one? Everlasting Father. Can you imagine hearing this for the very first time? If you were a Jew, to hear that the Messiah will be called the Everlasting Father? Jesus called the Everlasting Father? Eternal Father? That He has always been? That coincides with Colossians, though. In Colossians chapter 1, it talks about Jesus and it says that he has been from before time. He has always been. Jesus, 
everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's who he is. We are told that he will be seated on David's throne. That is, we can trace the lineage. He will come from David. He will be a descendant of King David. And he will be seated on the throne. And he will bring peace and justice. He will rule. Now, we have not seen this fully come to fruition. Because we are living in between two advents. But there is a day coming. A second advent when Jesus will come and he will rule and he will reign. And the Bible says that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord of all. There is coming a day when people will recognize this. There is coming a day. But right now, we live in between. There's tension in between these two advents. Turn. Micah. Turn to Micah chapter 5. Verses 1 and 2, it's on page 658. Micah chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Micah chapter 5, beginning with verse 1. Marshal your troops, O city of troops. Jerusalem was called the city of troops. Marshal your troops, Jerusalem. Marshal your troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. This this time period here. Micah is writing about the same time as Isaiah This is approximately 700 years before Jesus came. Before Christ had come. And um, it was written to a people who had been disobedient, defiant, who had rejected God. And because they had rejected God, there were consequences for rejecting God. In this case, and God had warned them, in this case, if you reject God, nations will come and overtake you. And the Assyrian nation came, and the Babylonian nation came. And they came over the course of a couple hundred years, really. It it happened, just as was foretold. And so these people are needing hope. And so it says this in verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Isn't that spectacular? That the prophet Micah would say, the birthplace of the Savior, Ephrathah, it was, it was just simply an older term for Bethlehem. That's all it was. An old, older term for Bethlehem or the surrounding area of Bethlehem. And, and we are told that from this city, from this town, because it wasn't a city, it was 
located five miles on the outskirts of Jerusalem. Just a small town. Though you are small, one will come who will be the ruler of all. Messiah. Jesus is who would come. Well, there's some similarities for us today. Similarities for us living in 2017 that really coincide with people as they heard these words for the very first time. There's some similarities here. One, the world is still a dark place, marred by sin, confronted with a spiritual battle. Do you see the spiritual battle? It rages on. We are confronted daily with a spiritual battle, and this is a dark place. Why? Because our world is looking to everything other than Jesus to bring hope. Hopeful that something else might meet my need. And we can continue to go for it and trying to grab it, but it will not satisfy. It doesn't satisfy. And so we are in a similar situation today. Just like these people who first heard these messages. Two, just as they awaited a coming Savior at the first advent, we await the Savior who will return to come take us home at his second. We are also awaiting the return of Jesus. We are waiting for the second advent. And the third thing, Christ still is the only hope that our world will ever know. Christ is still the only hope that our world will ever know. How easy it is to try to find hope and satisfaction somewhere other than Jesus? How easy it is. This is, it's a dark world, isn't it? And you know what? If how I read this book is correct, it's only going to get darker. But Jesus is still a light, and he is still hope. Hope that we all need. And as we come in faith to Jesus, recognizing who I am, that I'm sinful. I am separated from God. My sins have done that. But I see God's great love. That's why he sent Jesus. So that I could be forgiven. And when I come in faith to God, believing in his son Jesus, I receive new life. Do you know that truth? Have you experienced that new life? That's why Jesus came. Christmas will come and Christmas can go. 
But Christmas is going to make absolutely no difference in our life unless we have come to understand the truth of who Jesus is. And if we come to believe in him, that's why he's here. That's why he is here with us. And may I just say this, if God's spirit, because God's spirit is here, and if God's spirit speaks to you and says this is a truth that you have not done anything about, then may you respond to that. May you respond to that prompting to receive Jesus, our greatest gift. God had a plan from the very beginning of time. In the midst of brokenness, in the midst of sin, God had a plan. And his plan included every one of us in this room. I'm so thankful for Christ and the hope that he brings. Join me in prayer. Father, I thank you for the gift of Jesus. I thank you that in Jesus we see the great love that you have for us. God, you have sent your son into this world. He came a couple thousand, two thousand years ago. He came to die on the cross for sin. Father, your desire is that no one would perish, but that all would come to repentance, to faith in you. Father, you give us new life. You offer us hope. Father, if we are broken, may we understand that we can find forgiveness and we can find healing and we can find hope in Jesus. I thank you for this. We give you praise. It is in the name of Jesus we pray this. Amen.